0: All right. Well, um, last week was Vision Sunday. Awesome Sunday. We got to like look back on all the awesome stuff God's doing, and then look forward. And the two words that I that I kind of put out there to you, as I believe, is like a prophetic message for our church, is the word on mission. That uh, we are a church on mission, a family on mission, uh, a people on mission. And uh, I see many of you guys got your bracelets and to kind of help you just keep this before you, memorize scripture as as you do this. And uh, I've heard from so many of you that have been getting into the, your linger devotionals that we made up and have uh, been just encountering the presence of God just through something simple as, Lectio Divina, like going through a short portion of Scripture and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you through it. So if you weren't here last week or you walked out, you didn't receive a bracelet or a devotional, we've got some right right in the back on your way out. You can just grab one of those. And there's no date on it, like I intentionally on the devotional. I didn't put dates or days on it. So if you missed a bunch last week, you're like, I did like two last week. It's okay. Just do the next one tomorrow. Um, just walk through it 21 days of encountering the presence of God through his word and so i encourage you to do that um yeah all right so let me see what i've got next all right so we're we're continuing on a, on a our series kind of that i began last week called on mission and i'm i got into luke chapter 9 this week and i was like the Lord just was leading me to it. I'm like, really? I'd rather preach on something other than Luke chapter 9. Um, and I, I feel like God always just brings me to the hard scriptures, and he's like, this one. And I'm like, no, I don't like this one. You know, even going through First Corinthians, I'm like, can we just skip over this and move on to something else? Um, but Luke chapter 9 this morning, I really feel like it is a, a prophetic, sobering word for us um, as we continue um, on mission together. And um, it starts out in Luke chapter 9, verse 51. I'm going to read these couple verses, and then we'll stand up and read some more. But Luke chapter 9, verse 51, there is this snapshot in time, and it says this, as the time approached for him, Jesus, to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. We are catching a, a bit of a snapshot of a moment in time, an intentional shift in focus uh, of Jesus. Jesus was always on mission. Everything that he did was about his father's business. He would go and he would heal the sick and, and free, free those oppressed by the devil. He would feed the fire. All of those things that he did were, were him living on mission. Um, but now it's almost like he knows his time is short and he, it says, that he resolutely sets out for Jerusalem. Um, he knows that he's heading to a place of crisis. Um, and I think about this like anybody can get really serious about their faith in the midst of a crisis. Anybody can. In fact, in fact, most of us do. We get to this place where like we we're going in the midst of of you know everything's good, everything's great in life, and then all of a sudden we hit a crisis, and we're like, Jesus, help me! You know, we we I got to get back into church. Our marriage has falling apart. We got to get back into church. Our kids are going off the rails. We got to get back into church. Like we get to this place where like it's really easy to actually get serious about our faith in the midst of a crisis. Uh, we figure out a way to come up with cash when we're in an emergency. We, um, we donate a kidney to save a loved one. Like we, we, people will rise to the occasion to do things that they wouldn't normally do. We hear stories of like just regular soccer moms lifting cars up to free their kid underneath the wheel, right? Like people are able to do things in the midst of a crisis that they can't normally do or won't normally do and just regular days. So my question is this, and this is what I'm hunkered down in today, and and as we get into the Luke chapter 9, um, what do we do when there doesn't seem to be a crisis? What do we do when there's no emergency? What do we do when there's no sense of like urgency in us? When life is just kind of cool, like good, I got a raise, things are going well, marriage is mm, good, you know, we're just kind of Plugging through, just getting through life, right? What do you do? How do you stay passionate for the Lord? How do you stay resolute when there's no emergency? And the temptation for every single one of us is to fall into apathy, drowsiness, get lulled into sleep. The temptation is to drift off mission. If we're not paddling in the direction that we're supposed to be going, then we, we will just drift with the wind and the waves. They, they will take us in a direction that is usually not the direction that we're wanting or needing to go in. And I wanna submit to you this today, that living on mission means to be resolute in the absence of a crisis. Let me say that one more time. Living on mission means to be resolute in the absence of a crisis. The Bible says that Jesus sets out resolutely. He set out for Jerusalem. And what we know about life is that it's always fun to go on adventures. It's always fun to go globetrotting and to have new experiences. I mean, that is a blast. Nobody has to twist my arm to do things that I already want to do. I'm like, yeah, sign me up. That's what I want to do. The real test of living on mission, though, is when you choose to go where you would rather not go. That's the test of living on mission. Before that, you could just be, getting by. Like the real test of living on mission is when you allow God to lead you into a season that you would rather otherwise avoid. That's the test of like, am I actually living on mission or am I just kind of just living? And it's in these moments, these these snapshots in time that you have to be resolute because no crisis is pushing you to make a decision. No, no, there's no emergency that's like, oh my goodness, you just got this, this health report. Oh my goodness, the, your marriage is falling apart. Oh my goodness, you need to, you need, you're, you're dealing with addiction. Like, oh my goodness, we've got to do something. There's, there's no crisis that's pushing you to make a decision. And yet God's calling you to be resolute in his purposes. In fact, a lot of times people and circumstances around you will distract you from your purpose and convince you that what is in front of you is more important than where you're headed. Um, nobody would understand this more than Jesus. Like, nobody would understand this more than Jesus. Um, as soon as he resolutely sets out for Jerusalem, we see that in verse 51, these Yahoo disciples that are, like, following him, these resolute believers, right? Like, they go cray-cray. Like, these guys come off the rails. If you don't believe me, I'm going to read it for you. Verse 52. It says So Jesus resolutely sets out for Jerusalem. He's like, I'm going to the place that I'd rather not go, but I need to go because my father's calling me there, even though I know that it is leading me to torture, persecution, and certain death. As soon as he makes that decision, he, Jesus, sent messengers on ahead of him who went into the Samaritan village to get things ready for him, but the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord... You want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? Like, what? If I'm Jesus, I'm thinking, we're not ready to go to Jerusalem. Like, I thought I had these guys, I thought I've been, been living with them. I've been teaching them. I've been walking alongside them. I thought that they got this thing. I thought they understood what my mission was and where we were headed and what we were doing. But like this thing just gets out of hand. And it says in verse 55, Jesus turns and rebukes them. Now, it doesn't say what exactly he said. I'm sure it was colorful language. Like these Samaritans... Don't roll out the red carpet for you. And so you decide that the most godly thing for you to do is to rain down fire from heaven and destroy the village. That's what you think. Seriously, guys. Like you think that that's all this, all these years we've been walking through this. You think that that's what I want. You think that as I resolutely have set out to go to Jerusalem, that I want to leave a wake of smoldering villages in my path. That's what we're about? That's what you think? But how often do we, as followers of Jesus, think that we need to create a mission that is actually not God's mission at all? Like when we are off mission, we will declare a mission to be our mission that is not God's mission at all. And we'll get really passionate about it. And we'll think, oh man, this is what it's all about. This is what Jesus is up to. We just got to burn it all down, right? And Jesus is like, whoa, whoa, whoa what are you? what are you guys doing? Oh, we're just passionate. We're, we need to move things forward. We got to, come on, let's go. And Jesus is like, what in the world are you all doing? We will be tempted to create a mission that is actually, who, catch this, that is actually an outlet of our own frustration and we'll call it godly and ask him to bless it. I'm sorry, not sorry. Um, We will lose our way if we fail to keep the end goal in mind. Jesus had the end goal in mind. Jesus has resolutely set his sights on Jerusalem. The disciples were still wondering, what the heck's going on around here? They're not looking at Jerusalem. They're looking around like, can we burn that back? Can we, can we, can we blow this up? Can we blow it all up, Jesus? And then Jesus like, what are you? Guys, come on. I need you to keep the end goal in mind. And when we fail to keep the end in mind, we will find lesser goals and call them God's goals and ask him to bless it and call them godly. Listen, when things aren't going your way, in fact, especially when things aren't going your way, stay on mission. Do not allow lesser goals or your own frustration to become a mission that is not God's mission over your life. So they, they all like, they start heading towards Jerusalem and um, Jesus has three conversations with three different people And they are intense. I have never preached out of this scripture before. I've probably avoided it because of how intense these conversations are. So um, just so that you have to wrestle with it, why don't you stand with me and uh, we'll read Luke chapter 9. We're going to read verse 57 through 62 and it's these three, just one up, one down, one up, one down, next conversation. Luke chapter 9, verse 57 says this, Now it happened as they journeyed, so they're on their way to Jerusalem, uh, as they journeyed, that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And also another said, Lord, I'll follow you, but first let me go and, and bid them farewell who were at my house, my family. Let me go, let me go say goodbye. And Jesus said to him, No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray you'd uh, help us (laughs) with a really hard word. Um, I pray that in the midst of what offends so much of us, that we would find life in it, hope and purpose to live on mission after you, hard after you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. <laughs> so you can see why I was like, mm, how about no? Um, the, I've, oh, here's the thing. I've always assumed, and this is just, I'm conjecturing a little bit here. I've always assumed that um, these three people that Jesus encounters um, were evangelistic conversations with Jesus. Like Jesus was meeting them and I'll follow you, follow me, all that kind of stuff. That, like the first time meetings with Jesus. But what is interesting to me is that each person addresses Jesus as Lord. They don't call him good teacher. They don't call him rabbi. They don't call him, hey, you. They, they call him Lord, which is a very distinct word that's reserved for just one person. And so I wonder if, especially in the context of what we just read about these Yahoo disciples kind of going off the rails, if at least one of them, and I would go so far to say maybe all of them, were conversations that Jesus had with people who were walking along the road with Jesus, seemingly followers of Jesus. because you never really know if somebody is following you until you decide to go in a direction that they don't wanna go in. Do you know that? Like, if you think of it, like, it's at that moment where someone makes a decision to follow you because before then, you just happen to be people that are walking beside each other on a road. But as soon as you say, we're going left, and they're like, no, we're not, (laughs) I'm going right. All of a sudden, it's at that moment where you become two people that are walking beside each other and now you've established who's following who, right? All of a sudden you realize, oh, I, I thought that we, I was following you, but we just happened to kind of be on the same, same road together. Um, and this is so important because it forces us to recognize that following Jesus is not a one-time decision that we made in an emotional moment at a church service when we were in second grade. Following Jesus is a daily surrender of our will. Like following Jesus is a decision that is continually put before you, especially when he leads you in a direction that you would rather not go. Because it's really easy, church, to start out by following Jesus and end up following ourselves. And so I wonder, and let me throw it out there to you, I wonder if these harsh statements of Jesus are not necessarily with people who are encountering Jesus for the first time. I wonder if these statements are to people who say that they're following him but are really just going for a walk. Jesus, Jesus never really did a good job at following any of the church growth models. I'm just gonna, I mean, like he, he never read Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Church. He, he didn't do a good job of trying to, to grow the church. Like he, he really shouldn't write a book about it because it was kind of not good at it. Like um, if, if you think of it, like this guy would call people to follow him and then it seems like once the crowd gathered, he would actively try to thin it out. You ever notice that about Jesus? Like he'd be like, hey, you, come follow me, come follow me, and everyone would be like, oh my gosh, thank you, I will, I will. Something about him, him asking, and the invitation, there was like, I am follow, I'm walking along someone that is absolutely amazing. Then he'd get a crowd, and be like, okay, great, 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 and then he'd just say crazy stuff stuff that just, just made people angry, stuff they didn't agree with, stuff that was, whoa, that's too much, they would say. Like all He would actively try to just start thinning out the crowd, and then he'd be like, okay, you're gonna come follow me too? You're gonna, okay, great, let's go. And then we keep moving. Come follow me, come follow me. And then he'd start actively trying to thin out the crowd. Like, um, I want you to make no mistake, though. Um, Jesus is always grace-filled and accepting to anyone who would say, come and follow him. But here's the rub, church. Once you are following him, he expects you to mature. He expects you to grow. He expects you to get stretched. He expects you to live on mission with him. He expects you to continue to follow him. And in order to do that effectively, we have to be willing to be disrupted. Meaning, I don't like that we're going left. I want to go right. And Jesus is like, well, we're going left. Those, it's at those moments. And they happen every morning when you wake up. Jesus is like, no, oh, we're not going to do that. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, yes, we are. Right? I'm going to say it because they need to hear it. Now we're going to go here and we're going to do this. And Jesus is like, no, we're going left. And we make a decision. Lord, am I going to surrender my will to you or am I surrendering my will to me? Um, to me, if we're going to be honest, um, the real problem that we wrestle with in those three conversations to these, these harsh answers of Jesus is this question. Where's the emergency, Jesus? Where's the crisis? Where's the fire, dude? You kidding me right now? Like, his answers are so harsh, They're, they, they just, maybe, maybe you're much more holy than me, but I read these and I'm like, I'm offended. Like what in the world? What kind of monster says, no, you can't go bury your dad? Are you kidding me? Like, where is this crisis that is so pressing that you don't have an extra like 12 hours to go take care of something that needs to be taken care of? And what Jesus is saying is this, that there is a crisis. And the crisis is the acceptance of status quo. Because sometimes we need to be shaken out of our slumber, shaken into moving. And I wonder if maybe Jesus is doing that. Um, In the late 1600s, there was a guy named Sir Isaac Newton. You ever heard of him? It's kind of a big deal. Changed science, revolutionized it. Um, he was known for writing the three laws of motion, and um, the first one is what I want to talk about today, and it is called inertia. That's what we talk about, inertia. You're like, why are you talking about inertia? Because I believe that what we see in the physical realm mirrors what we see in the unseen realm. Um, the first part of inertia is this law, and it goes like this. Objects at rest tend to stay at rest unless they are acted upon by an unequal force. Um, so what does that mean for us in the unseen? You cannot follow Jesus casually. Um, like no one stumbles into following Jesus. You not follow Jesus on accident. You won't just follow him because you just happen to agree with everything that he has to say. Man, he's just got it, right? Because he just agrees with me. So I'm, of course I just follow him, right? Nobody stumbles into it. Um, It is an act of your will that that is unequaled to your apathy. It's that that changes your state, that wakes you up, that all of a sudden it's a crisis that is not a crisis because I'm just here, I'm a lump, I'm an object at rest, and I'll stay at rest unless something shakes me awake, unless something moves me or unless I'm moved by someone. The other part of inertia goes like this. An object in motion tends to stay in motion. In fact, it not only tends to stay in motion, it'll stay in the same trajectory of motion unless it is acted upon by a force to change it. Um, So the crisis in that moment is not that you're not moving. The crisis is the trajectory that you're headed on. Um, it may not feel like a crisis to you. Like, maybe you're in here right now and you're like, man, I just don't feel, I mean, the, I, I'll follow Jesus, but like, I just don't see the crisis here. Like, I, where's the emergency? Like, I can do it. I got lots of years left. I'm, I'm a young buck. You know, I got lots going on here. Like, I got lots of plans. Um, I just don't understand what the urgency is all about. And Jesus is like, you're not seeing the crisis right now. The crisis isn't that you're not moving. The crisis is the trajectory in which your life is headed. And so when Jesus says to you or to any fisherman on the side of, of the, uh, you know, fishing on the side of the, of the, of the, of the sea, he says, come follow me. What he's saying is this, the trajectory of your life is headed in this direction, and I'm asking you to change course. I'm going to pull you into a new course that's going to lead you to life. So it's not that you're not, that you're not moving, it's the fact that you're moving in the wrong direction. Your life is headed in the wrong direction. So when he says, repent, he's saying, turn about face. I'm leading you in a new direction. Come, follow. Me, Because following Jesus does not just affect our Sunday mornings and what we do with them. It affects every area of our life and what we choose to do with it. And this, this is the grind of what Jesus is talking to each one of these three people about. So let's take a look at it. Let's dissect it. Let's look deeper into what he says to each of these three people. Verse 57, he says, Now, it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Now, as a pastor, if somebody says that, like you come down for prayer, you're over in the prayer corner, and somebody says, like, I will follow Jesus wherever he goes. I'm like, awesome. Let's get you baptized. Let's pray. Can we pray? Like, this is great, man. I love this. Jesus consistently does not respond the way that I think he should, to be honest. He says this. Jesus says to him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Which is a weird answer to a comment. It's like, okay, what? I wonder if he's almost saying like when a fox is being hunted, they have a hole to go into. When, when a bird is in distress, it has a nest to fly to. But I'm not headed for safety. I'm not headed for comfort. I'm headed to Jerusalem. And if you're following me, I'm headed to ridicule. I'm headed to rejection. I'm headed to eventually to the cross. And the truth about following Jesus is that many times he asks you to to go to follow him where you would rather not go. I don't don't think I want to go there. He's like, well, if you're following me, that's where I'm headed. okay. Like, Jesus is always going to ask us to choose him over our own comfort. And I think it's because he wants to be our comforter. You're, like, you're looking to this to be your provider, and he's like, no, I'm your provider. Well, I was hoping that this thing was going to comfort. I'm your comforter. I was hoping that this was going to bring healing. No, I'm your healer. I, I am your all in all, I am your shepherd. Jesus is continually taking our eyes off of all the things that we run to for safety. And he's like, run to me. Run to me. Because I'm the only one that no matter where we go, where you end up, I am with you. You don't have to run away. You run to me because I've got you. Second person comes up and he says, this one's a little different. Jesus actually says to this guy, hey, come follow me. And he says to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Now, if I'm honest, um, this guy's request seems absolutely reasonable. Absolutely. And Jesus's response seems absolutely unreasonable. What he says is this. Jesus says to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Again, what is the emergency, Jesus? What's the emergency? What, what, what's, what's going on here? Let this guy go to his dad's funeral. What kind of monster are you? Why would you not allow this? Let me give you a little bit of context of this guy's request that's probably a little more probable than what we read it at at first glance. The probable scenario is that dad is not Dead. he's not dead. Um, This man is most likely not asking to go to his dad's funeral. He's not asking for permission to just go to the 10 10 a.m. funeral and stick around for the reception afterwards. Like, this is a cultural responsibility that in this day to care for your parents, the family business, the family farm, until they passed away, and then you would receive your inheritance. So what he's probably saying is this, I will follow you later. I'm all in later. It's really no different than the things that we put in front of Jesus, that in front of following him, in front of doing the thing that he's called us to. Like, I will follow you once I get older. Because like right now I'm working on my testimony. You know what I'm saying? Right? Like, I mean... uh, (laughs) I'm young, so my wild oats, you know, like, come on. okay. Wait till I settle down here. Like, then, then I'm all in, Jesus. I'll follow you just later, just a little later. I'll follow you when I get married because then we're going to need it, you know? Because I know, I know that she's going to be really difficult and she's going to need you, Jesus. So we're going to come to church then. And like, I'll, you know what, you know what, you know what, we're having a really good time. I'm going to follow you when we have kids because they're going to need it. And we're going gonna, we're gonna to bring our kids to church. And this is what it's going to look like. And you know what? My kids are monsters. Um, you know what? And they, we got all kinds of stuff going on. We got like soccer and, and hockey and football and all these different things. Like I, uh, I'll, I'll follow you when I'm an empty nester. That, that's when. Or sometimes we tie it to education or finance. We're like, hey, you know what? I'll do that thing that you put on my heart. I'll give to that thing that you've called me to do once I graduate from college. You know what, like I got tons of college debt. You know, I can't do anything. Like How about I'll do that once I get into a career? I get settled in my career. You know, I'm so busy, I got all these things going. How about I, I will serve you. I will do that thing once I've saved up enough because I just, I gotta get that place where I'm like, I'm independently wealthy. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's just not working out. I got this and I got these, all these responsibilities. I'll, I'll, I will do that thing once I retire. Once I retire, I will follow you. I'll do it. Just later. Um, Make sure that you are not neglecting your father's business at the altar of your own busyness. Well, I got plans. I got responsibilities. I got stuff. Jesus, chill out. What's the rush, dude? What's the urgency all about? What's this crisis? You seem a little much. I don't understand it. The truth about following Jesus is that he asks you to do what you would rather not do. And that's kind of the crux of this thing. I said last week that um, if we're not careful, we will, in the American church, create a culture of applause rather than application. Um, and what I mean by that is this that we will think that responding to God's word means commenting on it over lunch at Panera rather than applying it to our life. Oh, I talked about it, so that means that I did it. Um, what if Jesus is calling out this dude's good intentions as bull? What if he's looking at this guy and he's just like, the guy's like, yeah, you know what, I'll follow you. I just, gotta, I just gotta go do this. Just let me go do this. And Jesus is like, Bull. What if he's doing that? Like, I don't know. I kind of see Jesus as like that kind of guy. Like, he's just savage. He's just, you know, talking to this guy. And he's just like, you know what? I, I, I don't buy it. Because here's the thing about good intentions. I think this is why Jesus would address it. That good intentions give us a false sense of action. And so we start to feel really good about ourselves because we simply thought about doing something you know what that means? Like, um, I thought about sending a thank you note. I just never did it. But you should be thankful that I thought about thinking about sending you a thank you note. Um, I thought about giving to someone or giving to something, but I just, I just never did it. But I thought about it. I thought about, you know, like uh, serving. I just never did it. I thought about getting baptized. I just never signed up for it. But I thought about doing it. And so that, therefore, I've done it. And here's the thing, like when it comes to these things, like this is the danger of these things. In today's culture, we supplant our actions with emotion. What I mean by that is that we think that we're doing something, um, but not actually doing anything. So we, so we post something, we, we say something, we do something, we text something, we think that we've done something. Um, here's a good example. Um, people will change their Facebook profile picture and think that we've changed humanity. Well, you don't know. I mean, I just, I did the Ukraine flag as like a backdrop of my beautiful profile picture. so pretty much just saving, saving the Ukraine (laughs) one profile pic at a time, right? Like I'm doing, I'm doing the hard work, y'all. I'm just really like struggling. I'm in it to win it. Like I'm living on mission. We think that canceling somebody on Twitter is solving a relational problem. I just don't want to be around those people anymore. They're just like bad. You know, it's just, just not good for me. So I'm just, I just cancel them. That's, did you talk to them? No. Now they're dead to me, right? We think that by commenting on something on social media, we've taken a stand on something. And so we're like, I'm gonna just take a stand on this, take a stand on that, take a stand on this. We think that giving, sending good vibes is a thing. It's crazy. Rather than sitting and, and across from somebody and be like, hey, I love you. I care about you. Let's go to lunch together. We're like, hey, sending you good vibes. Got them. I got your v- good vibes covered. They're coming your way. Right? Like, God. Get ready. Here they come. Right? What is this? But I thought about it. Why? So we've supplanted our actions with emotions because I, I really I really felt something. I really, oh, I really felt it, really felt. Did you do anything? No. But I sent good vibes. What? Church, that is not a thing. It's, thank you. Thank you. Jesus says, and it's harsh, and it's dropped the mic, and it's like, dude, you're a little much. He says, you go preach the kingdom of God now, because you won't do it tomorrow. No, oh, I, I will, I will, later. Later, later, later. I'll do it someday. When, if someday ever comes around, A whole lot of people are going to get crap done. I'm just telling you that. If someday ever happens, we're going to be like, man, finally, someday arrived, right? If it ever comes, wow, we're going to be productive on someday. Why don't you stand with me? (laughs) There's this last guy, and this is what I want to end with. Uh, This is the guy number three. Um, He says this in verse 61. And another said, "Lord, notice they all call him Lord. Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go and bid them farewell, who are at my house. In other words, I got family, I got things, I got stuff. If I could just, I'll follow you, but first let me just go go back. And um, and I would say that there is not anything wrong with this. Like his request is normal." Uh, like, hey, can I just let my parents know that I'm going to be gone with a itinerant preacher? Um, it's reasonable. Any parent in here would be like, yeah. I'm not going in some cult, you know, without me knowing. Like, this is crazy. And the third time, Jesus does not respond like I think he should. Um, he says to them, to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Notice he doesn't tell this guy he can't go back. He warms warms him of the, the danger of going back. Because maybe Jesus knew that when this guy went back to his old ways, when he went back to his old stomping ground, when he went back to his old comforts, that he would probably hear some of the things that you have heard. Things like, hey, listen, um... I think that you're taking this Christian thing a little too seriously. We've been talking, and we're very concerned about you. Or maybe or maybe he'd hear the hardest thing of all. If you walk out this door, you are never welcomed back in this home, ever again. Jesus knew that it's really hard to walk forward when you're looking back. And he actually says, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. And we think of it when we read it, we're like, okay, well, that word fit seems kind of like he's saying you aren't qualified for the kingdom of God. You don't don't cut it. You won't make it in the kingdom of God. But the word could actually be translated as useful. Like trying to plow a field by looking backward is not useful. It's just not... (laughs) The best use of your time, let's just say that. Um, It seems a bit inefficient, essentially. So then be careful how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. See, the truth about following Jesus is that he asks you to move forward when you would rather look back. Because it's really comforting to lick the wounds of your past. It feels really good, actually. Um, It's really comforting sometimes to blame other people for the place that you're in, in life. It's so tempting to look back and to dwell in the past. So much so that many times we keep running into things because we're literally walking forward but looking backward and so we we're constantly tripping over ourselves we're constantly tripping over things we're constantly just backing into to things over and over and over again and hear me i am not saying that we shouldn't pause that we shouldn't reflect that we shouldn't get healing from our past struggles absolutely you should but But make no mistake, the only way to move forward is to look ahead, to be on mission, to be resolute in the absence of crisis, to keep our eyes fixed on him, to keep the end in mind as we move forward, trusting that he has our best interest at heart. I wanna read this word over you today. It's it's a, I believe a prophetic word for someone in here. the Lord just kind of dropped it in me yesterday and it's Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 6. And I'm just gonna speak it over you and I just, just be open if it's, if it's for you. It says this, the Lord our God spoke to us in Horeb saying, now this is it, you have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go. He says, go to the mountains of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places in the plains, the mountains and the lowlands, and the south and the seacoast, to the lands of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. And he says in verse 8, see, I have, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he given to them and their descendants after them. I believe a word for someone in here is this, you have dwelt at this mountain long enough. Turn. Go. Take your journey. Go in and possess that which God has already given you. Is it time to turn around? Is it time to to face forward? Is it time to repent? Is it t- time to surrender your will, even though you think it's a, a better idea? Is it time to begin to move forward in Christ? Is it time to allow him to shake you awake? Because what we know both in physics and in spirituality is that objects at rest tend to stay at rest unless they're shaken by an unnatural force. Be moved, be moved. And if you feel like you're stuck where you are, just just keep it like you're tripping over things, like your path isn't straight, you can't plow a straight path. Sometimes it has less to do with what you're doing and more to do with what you're looking at. Where are you focused? Fix your eyes on the Lord. From where does your help come from? From you, from your decisions, from all these things that you place in front of him, from from lesser goals that are actually more out of your own frustration than they are missions of God. Like, where does your help come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Keep your eyes on him. Get into his word. Linger. Hear his voice. There's nothing like it. And Once you hear it, you'll never, ever forget it. And when he asks you to go left, (laughs) and you want to go right, when you know it is your shepherd, you'll go left. You'll stop fighting, kicking against the goats. Live on mission, resolutely. So Lord, I pray for each and every single one of us as we sing today. I pray that it would just be a moment of maybe a resurrender of our heart, of our life. We've made a commitment to follow you, but we've been kind of following ourselves. And so, Lord, I just commit again fresh to you. Mold us, make us, break us to look more like you. Let's sing together.